This podcast contains explicit and graphic materials not suitable for all listeners. Details and topics discussed on wine, whiskey, and murder may be triggering, harmful, or traumatizing to some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, welcome back, friends. Hi. Hi, kids. Damn it. I meant to use your kids thing. <laughs> well, you cool cats and kittens. Uh, Stay spooky. <laughs> That's for that. <laughs> I just wanted to get in a plug somewhere. Um, you are listening to Wine, Whiskey, Whiskey and, and Murder. Murder. I'm Adrienne. I'm Misty. I'm Mel. And I'm Jim. And I'm Joel. Oh, yeah. We're... Joel's with us. Yes. Welcome back, Joel. Thanks. Since you've been at every one. So. <laughs> I have permission to be at these now. That's uh-huh. true. Well, we yeah. need a tiebreaker tonight. We need a tiebreaker. Yeah. That's something we're right? Mel's already threatened him. Yeah. <laughs> so, what are you guys drinking tonight? Tonight, we have a Riesling, because as you know, I love Rieslings. It's called Debts and Lessons. It's a 2022, um, and literally says nothing... Interesting on the back, except debts of gratitude and lessons learned. Oh, it says wine craft. That's sorry. It was smaller, so I didn't see it. <laughs> That's why I always give it to Melinda. She right. got young, fresh eyes. That's Yeah. So it says wine crafted through debts of gratitude and lessons learned. And it's 11% ABV. So, Jim, it's mm. a... Screw cap. Screw top. Yeah, there's a shock. Yeah. Uh, but you said that was like 20 bucks. Yeah. So that's actually pretty decent. Wine. Yeah. Mm, sounds fancy. But I got it on Wink through my subscription, so I got it for a lot cheaper. Is that is Wink like the Wish or Timu of uh, <laughs> no. whiskey? <laughs> it's a wine China. club. It's like First Leaf or... Like, um, I don't know. First Leaf is the only other one that I've ever ordered from. Oh, I've never heard of it. But yeah, I don't order a, a lot of wine, so. It's a monthly wine subscription. My oldest, uh, Brendan, he uh, he gets stuff that he has shipped from some liquor place that he orders from that's like, I guess, a reputable place. And they just drop it off. It's air bubble wrapped. And, yeah. Uh, it's funny that they must, uh, like some of the whiskeys and stuff he's bought... They must put it in there first and then blow this thing up around it to make it where it doesn't move because you cannot get the damn bottle yeah, out without cutting okay. it. Because I thought it was so cool. You know, and we're trying to finally end up just having to slice the air thing, the yeah. bladder, because it will not come out of the damn box or out of the, can't get the bottle out. Does somebody have to sign for it? Yep. Yeah, okay. they do. With they do. an ID. With an ID, yeah. Am. Which one, usually if one of us walk out there, they wouldn't care, but they, you right. have to sign a thing that shows you're over. Yeah. So. Same with this. Well, let's uh, see what it tastes like. Yeah. Cheers, ladies. Cheers. Cheers. And it's just, um, before I say anything else, um, want to shout out, it's for a couple days after Mel's birthday. So oh, happy, happy birthday. late birthday, Melinda. Thank you. Oh, it's good. It's very crisp. Mm, like that. Do you like it? Yeah, it's good. You on board? Okay. Making sure everybody... Right, I'm going to try Melinda's because I used to do. <laughs> mm, it smells dry. 
No. It does, but it doesn't taste dry. Mm-hmm. It's crisp. Actually, it's, it's delicious. Tastes a lot better than it smells. Just because it smelled dry to me, and yeah. I don't like any dry wines. Riesling is always is a happy a medium. I feel mm-hmm. like. No, I mean it's it's some it's in the middle of yeah. most wines, but they're it's very refreshing always, mm-hmm. which is why I like them. Well, Joel and I uh, are going to be drinking McClellan's sixteen-year-old Scotch. But you're not going to hear him open it. You're not because I went to open it a minute ago and broke the cork. So this thing has been sitting on a cabinet for somewhere, probably for all 16 years, plus some. So it's at least 30-something years. It's a single malt scotch. I'm going to let Melinda tell you a little bit about it because she's got better eyes than me. But uh, there you go. Take it away, babe. We all will right. post pictures, sorry, on the um, Facebook group of Jim trying to fish the... Corks out of it. Yes. Because then I tried to use a bottle opener to get it in, and all I did was succeeded in pushing the one in. So... It's a, it was an old cork. It's probably a very old bottle. The highlands of Scotland are unique, carved from one of the world's oldest mountain ranges. Through this rough-hewn land, bubbling and frothing over and through the granite rock flows the pure, crystal-clear highland water, which we use to create our fine malts. McClellan's 16 years old single malt was distilled and matured in the heart of a traditional barley-growing area and produces a spirit which is full-bodied, fruity, and richly aromatic with slightly smoky overtones. Mm. Smoky. Is what I like. I feel like in the background it should be playing one of those old Scottish mm-hmm. like songs, like. And when it was talking about sparkling and bubbling and frothing, I was getting semi aroused. Am, <laughs> am I the only one? Yeah. Apparently, Joel. All right. It does not smell very alcoholy to me. Mm-mm. Does it smell uh, fruity? Vanilla, right? Yeah. Oh. Well, if we die, we know that's really, really old and poisonous. But it smells like whiskey. Yeah, it yeah. smells like scotch. <laughs> I'm gonna smell it. Oh, no, that's scotch. A little bit of burn. Not much. It is. Yeah, it's pretty smooth. Get your money's worth for paying for nothing for smoothness and yeah. flavor. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. Um, I would rank that up there pretty high. Oh, yeah. That's a very, yeah, very smooth. You actually can taste a fruit flavor. Whoever walked I, by with the cherry in their pocket right. might have fallen in also. Yeah, yeah it, it's very, very smooth. Um, it's. Uh, I was looking online for the. Cheaper stuff, which is what this is. It's around 70 to 100 bucks a bottle. Um, what we want to do one day is get the McAllen 25 and try it. I cherry that yes, but it does. It's got a little, bit of, a little bit of fruit <laughs> on the back end. You want to try it, Melinda? I don't taste a lot of smoke. Oh, yeah. No, there's just, it said, it's, it's, it said yeah. there was, but I don't taste it's, it's not hard bag yeah, exactly. or nothing no, like that. No, it's, it's very tolerable for it me. It is, yeah. I mean, some of that stuff is just too over overwhelming. It is much smoother. It is very, very smooth. It's I actually don't taste that cherry. <laughs> I think it's like I would say it's on the lighter end of some of the scotches we've tried. Mm-hmm. Oh it's, yeah, it's almost like it's like it's mixed with like Jameson or something. It's so <laughs> so not weak, but it's a. Uh, it is. That's good. You want to try? It? No. But uh, anyway, I'd say I'd give that a thumbs up. It's, oh yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, now. Only got one star on the bottle, just because uh, the cork. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
no, that's <laughs> not that is a that's first. not the um, however the fact that is not the manufacturer. That is right. the distributor. Yes. <laughs> well, um, the well, what is that considered? Retailer. The merchant, the retailer, the yeah. merchant. Yes, I can't remember. One of you guys may know. I have read that either a you're supposed to always lean it over. So that way the cork doesn't dry out. Right. That's what Joel or was if you're not supposed to lay it over. I couldn't remember. Yeah. You're, you're supposed to. Because right? yeah. wine. Is, they do Okay. Wine. And I, the place that we get this from uh, has since changed hands. But it used to be a place we've all been in there. Um, a local Which place. Which theirs is all sitting up on the shelves and stuff too. Right. But, so, but it's. Well, but it's more. But it's, it's, that's it getting over. turned over. Yeah, this stuff so. could have been there for 30 years. I wish it had like a date on it that said when it was bottled. Yeah. Um, just because this place used to be like a scavenger hunt. It was a neat place. Yeah. The guy, Mark, that took it over. He's uh, done a great job. Done a hell of a job. All kinds of new stuff. It is very cleaned up. But this place was literally just, it looked like a trash heap full mm-hmm. of boxes and bottles. You couldn't bring a purse in there because no. you'd knock something over. Um, I was always scared. to. You know, they had a $29 bottle sitting next to a $200 bottle just sitting in the middle wow. of the floor. Yeah. It was really, really a crazy store. But uh, anyway, good stuff. I like it. So what are we talking about today besides our whiskey? We've got quite the case for you guys today. So this is the long-anticipated case, at least for us, that we've been promising since day one. Today we are finally going to talk about the one that has this team split straight down the middle. And that, of course, means we are going to be talking about the murder of Lacey Peterson. They all have very strong opinions on this case. Right, guys? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Or you have my opinion and then you have all the other people that are wrong. No. (laughs) Two of us are very, very right. The other two, I'm worried for your mental Uh health. (laughs) And I anticipate that the third will be very, very right as well. Of course he will. Probably. (laughs) If he never wants to have sex again. So before we get started, I just kind of want to lay out what to expect on this case. Normally, we comment our thoughts and feelings about the story as it's laid out in each episode. We're not going to not do that. It's just we're going to try and hold as much as we can back because the, the next episode is going to be us laying out our own reasons for why we think he's guilty or not guilty or why we think he got a fair trial or didn't. Are you going to do this segment as it would have been portrayed in the court or in the media? Basically, yeah. We're just going to go through your opinions on the everything that, that was basically right. Everything that was like laid out as it happened real time for the public to see right. what was presented in court or how they tried to present some stuff in court and how it was dismissed and not allowed into court. It must have been hard time. for you to write that without putting in the stuff that you know now. It's it was very twenty difficult. years later. Yeah. To to write it um not be biased. No, it is. And you I know, know that there are a couple but that's why I want to say like I did the best job that I feel like I could have done in writing this up and not just being super biased about it. But there's so much because you know, I don't think this is spoiling anything, but no matter how you feel about the case, Scott Peterson was definitely already convicted in the public eye he was, before he went to court. There's nowhere they could have had this trial 
where people didn't know Mm -hmm. about it because it was just such a huge sensation before that happened. And until like the last few years, I agreed that he was guilty. I remember seeing the verdict and um, I had gone into my grandmother's house. She always had like court TV on when I would visit her in college. And I was very happy to hear he was convicted. But um, there's just been some stuff that's changed my opinion. And like Jim was saying, I'm going to just try to lay it out the best I can as it was happening for the public to see it and how it was lived at the time when it happened. There are definitely some places where I'm sure I fail at that a little bit, but I'm sure we're all going to pipe in Mm -hmm. with our own stuff here and there. We're just trying to save as much as we can for the end because we are going to... That's the episode where we're just going to argue for like an hour. So, all of this being said, this is one of those true crime cases that lives rent-free in my head and it has since the beginning. Um, First, I just want to give you some background on the key players that we're going to be talking about. So, Lacey Denise Rocha was born on May 4th, 1975, to parents Sharon Anderson and Dennis Rocha in California. She had one other, one older brother, his name was Brent, and her parents had actually been high school sweethearts, and at the time of Lacey's birth, they owned and ran a dairy farm, which Lacey also worked on from a very young age. But Lacey's parents did divorce not long after her birth, And she would move with her mother and her brother to Modesto, Modesto, California. And when Lacey was just two years old, her mother remarried Ron Gransky. So she grew up with Ron as her stepfather and just like basically had two father figures in her life. Um, Because she did remain close with both her parents. And growing up after she moved to Modesto with her mom, she still spent her weekends with her dad on the farm. Friends and family described Lacey as sweet and well-loved growing up. She was a popular cheerleader at Thomas Downey High School, where she graduated from. And after high school, we sh- after high school, she went on to California Polytechnic State University, where she majored in horticulture. Um, and now we're on to the next major player in today's case, and that is Scott Lee Peterson, who was born on October twenty fourth, nineteen seventy two in San Diego, California. His parents were Lee Peterson and Jackie Latham. Scott had six older half-siblings that his parents had from previous relationships, and he was the only child that the couple had together. His parents both also owned their own businesses when Scott was born. Growing up, Scott always loved playing golf, and it was his dream to be a pro golfer. And in high school, he actually played golf, on a team with Phil Michelson, who is now a pro golfer. And I mean, I'm not familiar with golf at all, but that... I can tell because he says Michelson. It's (laughs) it's Phil Michelson. So, the hell you say. Wonderful. You're unfamiliar with it. No shit. Well, I was going to say that was... The name is familiar to me. It is. Anyway, even though I apparently don't know the name. Yeah. You're close. (laughs) So... I'm not one to be throwing stones about pronunciation. No, you are not. (laughs) Stigmata. Stigmata. (laughs) You know what the hell I meant, woman. (laughs) Um, So, 
He went to high school with Phil, but not only that, he also went on to Arizona State University in 1990 on a partial golf scholarship. And this is also where Scott or where um, Phil was enrolled. However, Scott would not finish his college career at Arizona State because he would later be kicked off the team after a younger recruit's father complained that during his son's visit, Scott had taken him out drinking. Sounds like a normal yeah. thing. I Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's just kind of what I was thinking. Some of the things that I read said, too, that he was not an ideal student whenever he was at Arizona, at Arizona State. State. Um, that it's a party he pretty school much anyway. did mm-hmm. not, he was partying. It's a big and, party school. And <laughs> he pretty much lost his scholarship and flunked out, yeah. which is why okay. he ended up going to. I think that that was said about any university that, that, that says Cal state. <laughs> Penn State Cal Party Poly. School. California yeah. State Party School. Well, I didn't. A lot of this stuff, I, I'm just like touching on it. But again, this was the part of me wanting to be fair mm-hmm. to like giving the story. Because obviously I'm sitting here. I've already said that I'm on the side that thinks he's innocent. But I'm still giving you the information yeah, that I have. The background. But I appreciate you giving that because I didn't dive any deeper into it because I literally had no time. <laughs> yeah, and they said as soon as, as whenever he did enroll in Cal Poly or whatever, that he turned things around. So mm-hmm. he, he became an ideal student. Well, and it makes Much sense. like, you know, Ted Bundy, he found out he was also an <laughs> ideal student at one point in his life. Yeah, I feel like Scott Peterson might be at least the way that things have like worked out for him. He's like the Ted Bundy of the 21st century. <laughs> Just the way, like, scenes and stuff yeah. that you see throughout this case. I mean, yeah, think about how many, like, fictional... Well, not, well, there are some fictional Ted Bundy movies. That Chad Michael Murray one comes to mind. But there's also the other ones that are, you know, uh, truthful in their best mm-hmm. way about the Ted Bundy story. And then think about, with Scott Peterson, how many movies he has mm-hmm. inspired... By his life. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Documentaries. Well, and what Missy just said makes sense because he was several years older than Lacey, but it seems like they were at Cal Poly at the same time. So him flunk him just not just re enrolling mm-hmm. like the one article I read about this, it makes sense why he was still going to school yep. around the time that she was, because mm-hmm. he had time to clean up his act. Right. So, after this, probably much later, it didn't give me a timeline, but definitely much later, he transferred to, he went to another college, I'm not, I don't know how to pronounce this, C-U-E-S-T-A, Cuesta College, but later to um, Cal Poly, where he would eventually graduate with a degree in agriculture business. Like our son-in-law. Really, did he? That's what Joel's got. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. He's not a... Isn't that right? Scott Peterson, though. Not that we're aware of. Hope not. Yeah. <laughs> he better not be. Yeah, he, I, even if Scott's innocent, I still don't want him doing the other shit that Scott <laughs> yeah, did. Yeah, right. <laughs> that we know he did. Yeah, this is the stuff we, we know about. Yeah. Right. This is just specific to Cal Poly. But um, in his time there, he was well-liked by students and professors, and his professors described him as a model student. Again, just at California Polytechnic. 
While there, Scott also worked at a restaurant that Lacey visited often because she had a good friend who also worked there, and this is where the two met. Lacey and Scott would date for a couple of years before they married in 1997, and this was right after Lacey had finished her degree. I'd love... I don't know. Do you... I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but I loved the story that... Lacey's mom told about her and Lacey and Scott meeting. And like Did you, do you, did I you heard a neighbor's hearing? accounting. I didn't hear oh, Lacey's mom. I'm pretty sure I saw her in one of the interviews that I watched, but it was really cute because Lacey thought Scott was cute and mm-hmm. she gave him his, gave him her phone number and he threw it away. He thought she was just being, being silly or whatever. And she saw him throw the number away and then went and gave him the number again. And then that's how they ended yeah. up. Is and that, is that well, what you that, remember? That, li- that lines up with what I heard from a different documentary. It was, it was, they had really, they had like neighbors that were really close friends. Um, like the neighbor, she was pregnant at the same time as Lacey. So they like bonded over that. She had her baby a, a couple mm-hmm. months before Lacey went missing or whatever. But she also said that same thing was whenever they met, you know, it was at the restaurant and then Lacey was very adamant in pursuing Mm -hmm. him. And she also added that, you know, from their point of view, when it came to their relationship, Lacey really, she seemed to like kind of run things. Like Mm -hmm. he would do whatever she asked and everything. Mm -hmm. Well, and that was one of the things that her mom said about Lacey was that she was a Taurus and she said, if you know anything about Tauruses, they are very um, persistent. <laughs> no, that they are persistent. And that story with her insisting that, hey, I gave you my number for a reason type thing uh-huh. was, was, she said that was totally Lacey. That was her personality. That she was just like. That is just so ballsy to me. Because if I saw a guy throw away my number, I would be crushed. Go home and like cry. Yeah. No, she didn't. Yeah. No, she didn't. She was like, no, I'm not going. I'm not. You know. And I just. I mean, those little anecdote anecdotes about her and her personality and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Yeah. You know, just makes the whole situation all the. I mean. All the more sad. I mean, it is mm-hmm. a, a heart-wrenching situation, but she was such a vibrant person. Mm-hmm. And everybody said that about right. her. I think you can even was... tell that out just in pictures. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't know oh, anything God, else about smile. her. Yeah. She beamed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She did have a pretty smile. Yeah. She, was just, she was a very pretty girl. Mm-hmm. She looked like a pretty person inside and out. That's mm-hmm. the kind of radiance that she had about her. Yeah. And then... Well, just to add to that, whenever um, the neighbor in that documentary, she was talking about how, um, you know, saying all those kinds of same things that she was just the sweetest person. Um, And they both were having boys and they both decided to name their babies Connor and like you think like yeah. women are kind of like you can't name your baby mm-hmm. the same thing so, yeah. like Lacey was like all for it she was so excited for like both the Connors to grow up together and Aww. be friends and then whenever she had the baby the neighbor um Lacey like showed up and brought her like I can't remember some kind of soup and something else that she ate on for like the first five days you know being at home with her newborn oh, wow. and she just said she always remembered that and how sweet it was that she 
you know, was so kind. And that she didn't get to return the favor. And she didn't get oh to return the favor. Oh, my God. That's she just crushing. That's excited. a bummer. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> anyway, sorry. No, this is, this is working out really well because, like I said, I just kind of concentrated on the facts because there's so much yeah. oh, so gosh. we yeah. definitely need like the background too so i'm really appreciative if we of have yeah, it, for we'll, sure. we can we can put it out there if we don't we'll... mm-hmm. right for sure <laughs> just, just keep listening and keep sipping on some wine and some bud light hard seltzer <laughs> joel and i are drinking what are we chasing this with joel old fallen is that fallen or fallon i think it's fallon fallon old fallon old <laughs> Old Fallon Dad's Oatmeal Stout. It's from his cookie company. Dad's yep. Cookie Company. Yep. That's weird. I remember cool my though. dad used to own a vending machine company, and he had a lot of dad's products. Dad's root beer type mm-hmm. thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Original oatmeal cookies, and he also decided to make a stout out of it, apparently. Mm-hmm. So. Oop. Yeah. Anyway, it's jam. good. Sorry. Proceed. <laughs> so, in October 2000, the young couple purchased their first and only home together on 523 Covina Avenue in Modesto, California. And this was, like, a really upper-middle-class neighborhood in Modesto. Yeah, it would be nice if I said that his parents gave him $30,000 towards the down payment. Oh, really? Yeah. That must be. Well, mom yeah. gave me five grand. Well, I mean, after she died, you know, insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to get her to do it six more times. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> Good luck with that. I hear she's... Yeah. yeah. She's not doing much these days. Damn. Sorry. So, during this time, Lacey was working um, as a substitute teacher and Scott started working for Trade Corp USA, um, which was a fertilizer company that was based out of Europe. And um, his yearly income was estimated at the time to be about $60,000. And with inflation today, that would be about 107000 So hmm. a couple in their mid to late 20s, or I guess Scott was about 29 at this point, um, they weren't doing bad. At I think all. 60 to 70 grand right now at 20s. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 29 years old is a pretty good... Oh, right. For sure. I mean, for our area. Yeah, oh, definitely. We're, we're talking California. Too, that's true. Yeah, yeah they were broke that's as true. fuck. <laughs> but it's... I mean, they had a nice house. Um, I didn't write this down, but I remember it being somewhere about 170000 is what they paid for it. I'm sure that house now is like You couldn't get dollars. the property it's sitting on now in California right. for one hundred seventy grand, Probably. Because, again, this is 23 years ago that right. they bought it. It does not seem like it was... That old of a I know. Story. I know. Well, it doesn't seem. Twenty years ago. This twenty years ago, when this happened, Joel and I just started college. Right. Y'all were about a wee children. Mm-hmm. Right. I was. It's pushing Melinda our, down a hill, teaching her how to ride yeah. a bike. In May twenty or May twenty, yeah, May twenty twenty two, there was an article that said on April twenty first, twenty twenty two, it sold for five hundred and ten thousand. So that was pretty good markup. Yeah. yeah. That's tracks. And that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So um now we're gonna get into the details of this case. And again, I am definitely going to try and keep this as condensed and straightforward as possible. I've got like 30 pages, so I don't think that I succeeded, but 
We're going to try. So it was December 24th, 2002, and it was Christmas Eve morning. And this is the day Lacey, who was eight months pregnant with the couple's first child, a son, and as we already said, he would be named Connor, is believed to have gone missing. Scott reported that at 8 a.m. he got up to start his day. Between 9 and 10 a.m., he said that the Martha Stewart show was playing in the home. This was Lacey's favorite show, and she watched it every single day. And Scott was just kind of getting ready to leave. And Lacey was doing some house cleaning and on the computer during this time. Initially, Scott was actually planning to go golfing that morning, but he decided that it was too cold. So instead, he changed his plans, and he decided he was going to take his boat out for a while in the bay just to kind of get it in the water. Jim, Joel, y'all might know more about this, but it's like a car. You can't just like let it sit. You have to like get it out there. I think, it, well, I think even it is similar to a car. You just let a car sit in a rock. Right. Um, don't have a boat. So I couldn't say. Uh, however, it strikes me as weird that if it's too cold for me to go golfing. I'm not uh-huh. going to go um, out on the bay. I'm not going out on a fucking water because it's. I mean, anybody do, do that's been out. Do you have it written how recently he purchased that boat? Yeah. I don't. That was, yeah. De- what was it, December 4th? No, okay. Hold on. I got I mean, my it own was right timeline before. Here. Okay. See, these are, these are the, pro- this is the problem. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yes. And there's even more to that, but we'll talk about that later. But anyway, and that part strikes me it. as odd just because mm-hmm. um, I know what his boat is. It's a John boat. Oh. It was not a large boat. He was not the only one out there. No, no, no. Though, either. No. There it's were not. three other people out there. <laughs> but there were three other people. <laughs> there were other people. <laughs> this is, that's. And it was, it's already starting. How far away from his house. And he just yeah. so happened we'll to have passes for those days, even though he planned on going golfing. I'll tell you. I'm just saying that in my mind. Yeah. Uh, no, seems. that was that was a list of on my odd behavior. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I, I'm I'm not going to go out and get wet and be on the the water. Yeah, well, well if I'm I mean, not going to go. Well, I mean, that's the thing that's like boating. Isn't always getting wet. He could have just no, wiped. Right. It's not. It's, well, I mean, it's if, you're, not. if you're doing it right, you should stay dry. <laughs> it's not. Hence the boat. It right, not. exactly. But the, but the thing about it is, is he had never owned a boat before. This so maybe he's just really well, trying to stay that might be what the thing is, is he, if I had a new boat, I would I, give a fuck if it's snowing out. I would want to go out and First of all, for, there are, I can give you the rest of the points on why that whole thing is suspicious. But just for you the sake of. You had a chance to say sus. I don't care. <laughs> Just for the sake of Adrian getting to continue her 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 story here, um, it was the ninth. I knew it was like okay. he just got. He it. spent fourteen hundred so, cash on the boat, mm-hmm. and it was a boat not even rated for what he was using yeah. it for. And there were plenty of other places he could have gone that day. They're, they were saying too that. You know, he was if he was looking for a boat that, like you said, that was not necessarily the best boat for what he was yes. using it for. And he? he expected he he looked at a bunch of different boats, but wanted a boat that had a depth finder. And so, oh, yeah, that makes sense if you're fishing. If you're fishing, it makes. Jim, sense. how many times have you been fishing? Just curious. A bunch. Okay. Did you ever, you know, before you had a boat or anything, like check how like the currents in the area work or anything like that? No, but you know, we go in lakes after 
Anyway, we'll just yeah, he was we'll in skip the bay. that he, for he now. He was in the bay. <laughs> we're we're too far down the rabbit hole. This is we're definitely going to get into the boat right later. Yeah, I'm sure we will. <laughs> so I just, I just want to go go back then. You said he buys the boat December fourth ish, ninth ish, whatever. But you're saying he's keeping the boat active, but he just bought the boat. So what's the, he's keeping the boat from going bad? But if you just well, bought the boat, what you're saying? But that's like. Once a quarter, once every three months. Right. Well, maybe yeah. the person who sold it to him said, "You need to get this thing out every month or but, every you couple know, weeks." We've we've had people that have had boats that will sit. Oh, they're, they're, for six months, eight months before they put yeah, it in the water again. Right. There's just things you've got to do to get right. it ready to be able yeah. to do this. This was also, things. and we will get into it, like the size of the boat and stuff. This was not a gigantic no, boat. No, it was a John boat. No. Yes. It was a no, it was just, it was a very right. It's one like the ones we so had. So it wasn't that something fishing. that you had to have, like, help getting right. loaded right. and shit like that. And this is another one. <laughs> We're never going to get... This no. is going to be a four-part okay, episode. <laughs> we'll be back to this, because this is another one of the, the points that... We will come back to the boat, because I feel we're like there is so back to all much <laughs> about the boat on both sides yeah. that yeah. we're going to argue, for sure. I'm just saying, I would... If I just bought something, I can see me even Being though it's cold to and going out. Mm-hmm. I, can, I, you know. I can get that. I, I can get that. There's just yeah. too much else, though. That's, well, but that's exactly... Like, I, I'm in a biking. I bought a bike. I biked in the rain. You know, he it, does so, bike in like ridiculous right. conditions. It is or he scary. Did more so it, when yeah, he first we, got exactly. it. Exactly. When you first get it, you're really you're enjoying it. You're finding you're excuses excited. to get out there. Right. Get a stick with with a boat. That's beer in a boat. That's all you need. I mean, beer in a boat. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> California. Yeah. So I mean, that's. Wasn't like his excuse. Is poor. It's not Minnesota. It wasn't twenty eight degrees below zero. It's still northern. Yeah. So it is cooler. It is. It's not. That's LA. Right. The sun when the sun comes out, you can put marshmallows. You can just make some s'more. It's fine. It's, it's warm. So <laughs> let's get through a couple more pages before I have to go pee. Okay. <laughs> he just bought the boat, and he decided he wasn't okay. going golf, and he's going boating. So yes. So he's getting ready to leave. Lacey's doing some light house cleaning, um, and. Yep. Um, when he's leaving, that's a little suspicious yeah. there too. What? And yeah, I just thought it was a little sus to see a woman cleaning, yeah. but you know, Lacey was very much the homemaker. Mm-hmm. Doesn't hurt to dream. Oh my god! Save it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll have so to save it. while he was getting ready to leave to go get his boat, Lacey was also planning on taking their dog Mackenzie for a walk. Which I just also have to say that's a horribly adorable name yes. for a dog. It sounds like somebody who doesn't have children yet, and they're naming their dog like it's a child, Aww. which I do. <laughs> so at 8.40 a.m., some investigation by the police would later show that the home computer had a search history of somebody looking for sunflower umbrellas and women's clothing. And between 9.20 and 9.40, a neighbor reported seeing Scott in his driveway loading up his truck. The two spoke very briefly, just kind of said some passing hellos. After this, Scott left and went to his warehouse where the boat was housed. And this is about three miles from the Peterson home. Investigation by the police would later show that the computer at Scott's warehouse was used between 10.30 a.m. and 10.56 a.m. that morning with a search history showing that Scott's email was accessed 
and that he or someone at least was looking at some tools online. Before this though, so again, the searching at the warehouse computer was between 10.30 and 10.56. There's a neighbor of the Petersons who at 10.18 a.m. reports that she finds the Petersons' dog Mackenzie wandering around outside with her leash and collar still attached. She doesn't see Lacey or Scott around. She knows it's Mackenzie, so she wrangles the dog and she takes um, her into their fenced-in backyard and to take care of her. Which, yeah. And, yeah. He's a him. Oh, him? And, and, Wasn't it? Yeah, Mackenzie's a boy. They took the collar, the right. They took the leash off, mm-hmm. right? I don't even know. I read that somewhere. That no, was Scott the, took the leash off the, later. Yeah, yeah. She just pushed, pushed, pushed the dog in the, into the, yeah. So, 12.54 p.m., there is a receipt from the Berkeley Marina that confirms Scott parked his truck there. And that time, he tells authorities that he had his boat in the water from about 1 to 2 p.m., And I did a Google map search for directions from the area of Modesto where the warehouse is located to the marina. And it's about an 85-mile drive, which would take about an hour and a half to get to there. Um, The time between the warehouse and the marina never comes up in any of my research as something that was odd. But I figured that... And because it wasn't coming up, I figured that this was an understandable time lapse to people in the area... But for my own curiosity, I wanted to see if the time lapse makes we, sense. Everything that I read said it was 90 minutes. From yeah, I, I had read that it was an hour and a half away. Um, yeah. yeah. I, and I think it it's sus- far to, for me, but we don't live near the ocean. It was, and, it was suspicious because Lacey was severely pregnant and she was having health issues related to the pregnancy. He never told her any about any plan changes from going golfing to going an hour and a half away and we'll get into more reasons that was suspicious when we talk about all you're these. twisting my perception well, don't plead your case right now i'm I, that's just the <laughs> she was the iceberg she <laughs> was that bad huh? i do want to say she was very pregnant at this point but a lot of times when i think back i keep thinking that she was like ready to pop kind of thing she this was, was december months, 24th she was due on February 10th. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she still seven. had six to seven weeks yeah, she yeah. before she was full term. So she was very pregnant, but not always eight. heard eight. Yeah. Right. But mm-hmm. she was about seven and a half. Right. Baby's mm-hmm. term at what? 32? 36. 36. Watch you closer to 38. <clears throat> right. So at 2.15 p.m., Scott leaves the marina and he calls Lacey to tell her that he's leaving, but there's no answer. So he leaves a message. By 4.30, he has gotten back to the warehouse and dropped the boat off, and he's back at the house. So, it looks like he was back at his house. He had actually, like, gotten the boat unloaded, put in the warehouse, and he was back at his home by 4.30. When Scott gets home, Lacey's car is still in the driveway, and he finds Mackenzie in the fenced-in backyard, still with her collar, or her lease, attached. Right. And the door to the home is also unlocked, but he doesn't find his wife, Lacey, in the house. Scott claims he is not immediately alarmed, though, because she had plans um, to, like, see her family and stuff that day. So he just figures that she's at her mom's house. 
So Scott grabs a snack. He throws his clothes into the washing machine and takes a quick shower before calling his mother-in-law, Sharon. This is all the information that he provides police. But to Scott's surprise, he says that Sharon tells him that Lacey is not there. And at 547, after he's contacted her mom, Lacey's stepdad calls 911 to report that Lacey is missing. How much time has transpired here? Just since he got home. He got home at 4.30. He eats a bite, puts his shit in the laundry, takes a shower, then calls her mom, and it's 5.47 when her stepdad calls. He called her mom at 5.17. Ron calls the police at 5.47. Does that not seem like an abnormally short amount of time to call 911 to report someone missing? I mean, I think they're just probably overly concerned. The problem, too, being Scott did not say, oh, she's not here, her car is in the driveway. He specifically used the words, Lacey Lacey is is missing. So that that threw up a red flag to her parents, like, well, why is she missing? You know, that... If you couldn't find me for a couple of hours, I don't think your first inclination would be to say that I'm missing. Right. Well, that's why I mentioned that because, I mean, I've tried, you know, if you're, I'm at work or you're doing something mm-hmm. and I text you, you don't answer back for an hour and a half. I think what my first inclination panic. would be, okay, let me call the hospital. Mm-hmm. Let me call this place. Let me call right. that place. You know, mm-hmm. let's, let's see, you know, okay, which he did. Go back oh, however, and look in the park to see if Lacey was, you know, maybe she had a medical medical event right. because she had been having issues. Right, with um, her being pregnant. But however, if you were to tell me you were going over to mom's and I come home from work or whatever, you know, the scenario is, and I was like, oh, you're still gone. And I call mom and she said, you never showed up. That would cause me to well, panic. Well, it, it, right. it would, most definitely. But he also, in the voice message to, to her, said, I'm running late. I'm not going to be able to get... Whatever it was the, they were getting the for Papa. Basket for Papa, yeah. Yeah. So can the you basket. please go and get that? So you know, if it were me, I would be thinking, well, maybe she went to get the fruit basket. Because what was weird was that he didn't recognize that her car was still in the driveway. Well whenever he came in. Yeah. And it's all the more weird because, yes, he called her on his way home from the marina, said that he was leaving Berkeley. But once again, Lacey had no idea he was he going was even there. there. Yeah. And he was supposed to be golfing. He had told her, because he had told her she would be golfing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the voicemail specifically also calls out the time as 2.15, setting up his own timeline, an alibi or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he tells her... That he's unable to get the gift basket and he's hoping she would be able to do it. But on top of that, it also goes back to the 23rd because he saw, he and Lacey that night saw Lacey's sister. And that's Lacey's sister and him were talking about the gift basket. He Mm -hmm. said he would pick it up in that conversation with her sister. Mm -hmm. And so he calls it all the way back. Like it goes, it does. Not only that. But he also, and this will probably come back to this, but he also told her parents when he called that he had been golfing because mm-hmm. that is what the stepdad said. Yeah. Whenever he called 911, my son in law got back from golfing. He, 
Yeah, he did not. He, and he continued for a while to tell Before people Before he told things. the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, because Ron, her stepfather, was, is a big fisher. So when he finally was like, oh, I was fishing. It was too cold to go off. He was like, what were you fishing for? Like, And what he said he was fishing for was something that is entirely too big for that boat. And... Yeah, and that was testimony um, in the trial. And um, was out of season. You couldn't fish that. Well, he didn't sound like he knew what he was talking about. No, he's a bad guy. It's all the more suspicious. (laughs) Because how many times in the beginning of your story... Willow! That was an old page. You hate my argument. (laughs) Don't interrupt. In the beginning of your story, how many times did you mention how, how, how much of an avid golfer Scott was? He was exactly. I'm not. Dif- I'm not. Dis- I'm not trying to discern that or whatever. The only time he decided he wanted to fish is when his wife's body ended up being found on the shoreline. The only time, even during the search for Lacey, all he was doing was what golfing. He did go back to the marina no. multiple times, only to sit on the shore and watch and see if his wife and unborn child's body were being found, but. Well, see, I'm holding on to, I'm holding the stuff back that proves his innocence (laughs) until the end. Because I'm trying not to, well, I try not to confuse myself. (laughs) It's a very complicated story. It is. Like, I will say that literally, what, this is one of those things that I hope gets answered when I die and go to the pearly gates and God's like, Scott Peterson did it, or he didn't. Right. <laughs> kind of He's going to say, Adrian, really? Say, you thought he was a hey, but. Here's Elvis, and Scott didn't do it. <laughs> no. You're right. But here's the thing. Whether or not he did or didn't do it at this point would not necessarily surprise me either way. But based on what how he was convicted... He shouldn't have been convicted. That was always my yeah. argument when we talked about mm-hmm. it, you and I. I'm still... I've always... I'm very torn on whether or not he actually did it. Right. Now, I've always I said don't think they shit, proved beyond a reasonable doubt. They did not doubt. prove that he did it in my book. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not saying... I've never said that he didn't do it. I just don't... The evidence didn't show that he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that their attorneys did not prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. I'm, we'll just have to save this part to the end because I think that's the basis of your this argument. This is why I say here. we're going to have to because we haven't presented everything yet. No, but it's just... I don't, we'll get to it. Mm-hmm. But... My goodness. <laughs> All right. Wait, did, did was that something you already read? I have not. No, this is my argument. Oh. <laughs> well, we saw <laughs> this. I told Joel. I told Joel when I said, I said, I said, I think that's the place. I think that's the place she already read. It's because yeah, she's been listening to her line in the sand. <laughs> she's been listening to all this, this uh, documentaries and stuff right. that I've been listening to for the last She has. Missy's been wearing, I told Melinda that I was talking to her earlier and I said, Missy has flat out wore it out. Mm-hmm. It's been playing on every TV in the house. He's trying to sway my opinion. There's so much. There is. So there much. is so much. And you do. You have to. You have to try to watch the least biased things, mm-hmm. and that's hard too because right. everybody has their own agenda. Right. I do think, at least in the documentaries, that people have. You have people from both sides arguing their points. So. So we just talked about how it was five forty-seven and. Um, Lacey's stepdad called the police by six, 
the police have arrived and they go back to, they've got Scott with them, Sharon and Lacey's stepdad, Ron, and they go back to the Peterson home and Scott does immediately allow them access to the house where they can complete an initial search. Police detective Brokini is the lead detective on this case from day one And he reports that there was no evidence of forced entry. There was also no evidence of a struggle. And he did not see any initial signs of blood at all in the house. Which, the blood thing doesn't, especially for like an initial search, it's not a huge red flag one way or the other. Because there are ways to kill somebody that don't involve bloodshed. In addition to his immediate consent for the police to search his home... Afterwards, Scott does voluntarily go with the police back to the station where he is interviewed for the first time. And this initial interview went from about midnight to 1 a.m. And it was videotaped. And if you want to see it, you can look it up on YouTube. It is there for your viewing pleasure. Um, While Scott is cooperative in the first few hours, the footage from his interview gives conflicting feelings to people who watch it. He doesn't seem nervous or like he's necessarily hiding something, but he also doesn't seem too worried that his very pregnant wife seems to be missing. That's odd. Yeah. He's very nonchalant and calm in the interview, and he tells police also during this um, taped interview that they had no marital marital problems and they were very happy. Which, as we will soon learn, was... Some of that may not be accurate. May not be accurate. Was... If he's telling the truth about Lacey, this is definitely the biggest lie (laughs) that he told. The dogs are playing. (laughs) So, because of his lack of emotion in these initial talks with detectives... They're just quickly suspicious of Scott and they immediately kind of hone in on him and think he has something to do with it because he's not acting in a way that they think a man would be acting with his pregnant wife missing. We all do deal with things differently. People do deal with things differently. And something that a lot of people have pointed out is that he, and again, he's, he's 50 today. So, he did grow up in a time where it was like, you know, men don't show emotion kind of thing. So, that was kind of what he was, what people will say who think that he's innocent, what he was trying to do was to come off as like being tough and not emotional. I can also see Joel being not very emotional if I went missing. I don't believe that for a second. I don't either. I think Joel would be like, Adrian. Adrian who? Like I, your wife. I feel like he would be not very emotional if he killed you. Uh. <laughs> Joel's just not very. He, when he told and me his grandmother to died, she was in past tense, even yeah. though you're not. Even though your body was. And we'll found. get to that. <laughs> no, but when his grandmother died, he literally walked in. I was on my lunch break at work. He walks in real quick and goes, hey, Nana died. And then he walks away. Aww. Well, I, I think, too, some people, people and, and not saying this, Scott, but people process stuff differently. They do. We were driving down the road um, on Valentine's Day, and I got a call from the hospital that said my mom died. And uh, Misty said, what was that? And I said, As they called and said mom died. 
And uh, we were driving through we're Atlanta. Driving, yeah, through Atlanta. Um, trying not to kill us because we're driving mm-hmm. a moving van to moving the kids, helping the kids move. Moving van plus pulling oh, plus Joel's pulling. Car. I was pulling Joel's old car, Darius, <laughs> that old piece of shit Saturn. <laughs> um, Served him well. It did since he was yeah. sixteen years old. Yeah, I think had like a million miles on it. But uh, but anyway, Miss is like, do you need to pull over? I was like, no, I'm fine. Of course, I was upset, but I also had you had to like. Compartmentalize. I was like, well, I could freak out and get upset right now and kill us all, you know, which probably get to see her again quickly. However, (laughs) you know, I, you know, it's funny. Uh, This isn't funny, but um, I didn't get upset when my mom died until that her ashes showed up in the mail. Right. And I mean, it was fucking weird to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I know, you know, of course, uh, for one, I remember how much it cost me and I kind of (laughs) sucked. That kind of was very upsetting. Um, <laughs> however, the rush of emotion yeah. right. you know, of that, I remember st- we were standing in the kitchen and I was like, Jesus, you know, and, uh, wasn't that kind of like it to me, it's it, it, women when they are expecting, it's more real as a mother carrying a child because you already have that physical connection. Yeah. This is what I assume anyways. I've never carried a child. Men tend to not make that connection until the baby's here. Right. Because it's just... Well, because I've been carrying the fucking thing ever since. Oh, you are so fucking funny. (laughs) You are so funny. I think I am. (laughs) (laughs) But but anyway, I just think that that people do deal deal with stuff differently. They do. Um, They're... You there gotta, is no right look, nor wrong no. way. Right, but you have to think of the shock value, too. There have to be. Yeah. I mean, if, if Misty was to disappear, or one of you guys would disappear, and they thought even for a moment that I had anything they to will. do with it, oh, they should. But, <laughs> You're the immediate. Yeah, 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 I mean. Even if, yeah. I, if I go to my grave thinking Scott Peterson's innocent, yeah. if Missy disappears oh, it and was her torso oh, shows it was up, me. and you get off for it, yeah. I will always think you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it was, it was, doubt in my mind. It was definitely me. But I think the if it wasn't me, the shock of being acute, you would be in shock. Right. I would be. You know, I would be, I would be in shock the fact that I can't find right. my wife. Well, I think, and I, 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 I thought about that a lot throughout this research is like, First of all, if Joel were to go missing and I had nothing to do with For it. For one, Joel goes missing all the fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> let, us, let us say that. This. So, like, it wouldn't be immediately. Right. Yeah. When we were in Punta Cana and he There's disappeared for three hours. There. <laughs> we were in another country. We were we, we couldn't speak the language. Mm-hmm. He disappeared for hours. And, you know, everybody's like, where's Joel? I was like, ah, he disappeared. Mm-hmm. Nobody gave two shits. Because he can't sit still. <laughs> no. Yeah, I was the only one like, is Joel ever going to come back at Adrian? How many miles down the, the coast did yeah. you go? Adrian yeah. was upset because people were interrupting or drinking with your questions of where you were. <laughs> <laughs> like, Adrian, your husband's been gone a long time. It's like, he's a big boy. Like, where are you going, Joel? This is like traveling with other people because if it's just me and Joel, like... It's not you and Joel. It's no, just you because Joel's me. off doing because something else. If I sit down for more than five minutes, he's gone. Where are you going, Joel? <laughs> Left. <laughs> Yeah, going this way. Like, all right, see you in a couple hours. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he walked to another resort while yeah. we were in the middle. He couldn't even sit still when we were packing the leave. I know. We were waiting for the bus, and you're like, oh, I know that's Joel. I can hear Joel's whatever it was. He whistles. He, that's he Joel's whistle. whistle. And he was five stories up on a balcony <laughs> while we were waiting for a bus to take us to the airplane. Yeah. <laughs> you were five right. stories ahead of us mm-hmm. up on, you know, for taking no pictures. fucking reason. Leisurely taking pictures. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think it makes a lot of sense for this story. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if Joel were to disappear, I wouldn't immediately be. But also, even if it wasn't normal for him to, like, do that, mm-hmm. I don't. I think it would be like, you don't ever expect that to happen to you, number one. Right. So, like, if something like that were to happen. And then, I mean, if it's just out of the blue, somebody is missing or dead, I think that there's a shock value. I think there would, there would be a big shock it. value. Right. You're smart, honey. It's a good idea. The dogs are going crazy, and all I hear is click, 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 click. Nuts. These two haven't played together without actually playing or fighting. And all of a sudden, they, and now they they're decide all to, of a sudden deciding they want to yeah, play good they want together. to reenact the... And eat. Summer Slam. Eat Aunt Mez's shoe. So, he's acting weird. Mm-hmm. So they say, and they always say that on everything that Misty's ever watched, they go, you know, I didn't like the way the cops don't like the Well, way the husband that, immediately did it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, the, and they, they don't like his... That's if, based off of... It is. Right. Statistically, no, but, statistically speaking. But yes. you, you can tell me, and tell me if I'm lying, this is, I think, 100% accurate. If they're not acting <clears throat> scared or not acting upset enough... Then they say, you know, husband didn't seem to care. Or if he's freaking out, they're going, he's just playing for the cameras. He knows he's being recorded. So he's got to pretend like he gives a shit. And that's something that a lot of people, like, in his camp would later say was no matter how he acted, people were going to say he acted Exactly. You guys have no idea what it's like to be a man. Oh, the terrible. It's terrible. Jim, I'm on your side in this case. Let's not ruin that. (laughs) We're so suppressed. But anyway... Proceed. So hard being a white man. It is. Yeah, the trials Mediocre we face. But white Mediocre man. white man. <laughs> Willow, stop. Um, I'm going to go on record and say I'm above average. <laughs> <laughs> At least at one thing. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Lord help. So by the time um, Scott's first police interview, by the time it was over, Scott's police, blah. Take two. By the time of Scott's first police interview, it is December 25th, 2002, which is Christmas Day. And on the 25th, Scott um, contacts his parents and I believe, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong because I got a little bit lost here in the research. Um, I believe Scott was also the one to contact Lacey's dad and stepmom. To t- do y'all, can y'all verify or deny that? I cannot. Okay, so I think what it sounded like from the articles that I read and the documentary that I watched was that he contacted both his parents to let them know that they couldn't find Lacey and that he also contacted Lacey's father and stepmother. And Jackie, who was Scott's mother said that when Scott initially called, you know, contrary to the fact that he wasn't um, acting upset with, like, the police, and you can see that very clearly in the taped interview, his mother said he was so upset that she couldn't even understand him, and just because of the fact that Lacey was so pregnant and she wasn't having the greatest pregnancy, she thought he was telling her that Lacey had miscarried. Oh, goodness. Yeah, he was eventually able to get his point across, though, and, you know, she understood what he was telling her. He also called his brother and sister, who were in San Diego at the time, and they came up to be with him. 
prior to speaking with his dad later on the 25th, um, Scott had also agreed to take a polygraph test so that it, the way that police had, you know, stated it was just so that he could be ruled out really quickly. But after talking to his dad, his dad kind of like told him he didn't think that that was such a good idea and that he should consult an attorney, which again, that's one of those things where if I was guilty or not of some crime, I would always be skeptical of a polygraph. You should never, ever take it. You should never do it. Because even if you did it or you didn't, Mm -hmm. if it says that you didn't do it, they're not accurate. Right. If it mm-hmm. says that you failed it, it's the holy fucking grail. They failed the polygraph. Mm-hmm. It does not benefit you at all to take a polygraph. Right. From what I've read and understood. It's it's not, not an exact science. Anyway. Right. And they're not And admissible. again, a lot of it is based on, like, your anxiety and blood pressure. And you know that if I'm getting hooked up to one yeah. of these things, it's just, it's going to say that I'm having you're a stroke. back inconclusive. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. your heart rate would never... That's just true. because you're... you're you never calm right. down. Right, right. It's <laughs> just, know? it's not an exact science. And no, it, it's it's I never calm down. Right. No, hey, no. finally got a tailor. I'm reference. being too loud. <laughs> but I think, uh, I've always read that you never take it. Yeah. Ever. You know? I mean, it's it's not an exact science no it's matter not. what. It's so, a tool. It is a but tool, But it is right. not something that, you know, is admissible. But the way that people react to being asked mm-hmm. and that sort of thing is definitely taken into consideration especially by the public so this of course like i said did not bode well for scott and while he while his family was saying that he was letting his guard down and they were seeing the emotion in him he did keep a very calm and stoic composure around authorities so they never felt like he was acting appropriately or didn't feel like he was worried about his wife in the way that he should have been On December 26th, the first news report about the missing and very pregnant Lacey came out, and police held a press conference to address this. Community response to it was much bigger than anyone expected, and efforts to organize search parties escalated very quickly, and to accommodate the amount of volunteers that were stepping forward, there was a volunteer center that was established in Modesto at the Redline Hotel. And it was staffed and there were people working around the clock 24-7 in an effort to find Lacey immediately. So Modesto is a small and very close-knit community. And immediately tips began coming in quickly with many people concerned that Lacey might have like fallen and become stuck somewhere. So it's not just people calling in and saying, you know, I think Scott did it or I saw Lacey walking her dog and shit like that. It's people with their theories of what could have happened. And I know that this is, I can't remember the case, but it's one that I want to cover at some point. I remember there was somebody in this other true crime case. It was not even really true crime. That went missing, like they were on their way home from work one morning early, and they disappeared and they couldn't find them or whatever. And like days and days later, the they found that it was like a very cold and like slick night, and the car had gone off. Had crashed off into the road. Yeah, it's half of what Gone Girl was based off of. That's what that was half of what Gone Girl was based off of. Okay, the guy. I know the case you're talking about. The guy. They said the husband killed her. He was having uh-huh. an affair, blah, 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 just similar to Gone Girl, similar to this, uh, same thing. But she had crashed, and she spent like 72 hours. Or yeah, it may have been longer than that. 
dehydrated. She right. crashed her car. Stuck in the car. And they, the police and the media were convinced that mm-hmm. this guy was a piece of shit and yep. had his wife killed. And she was upside they, down. They found her, and she was alive. Yeah, they she, were thank God her. she was alive. Yeah, but it was just like there wasn't. They couldn't see like where they had gone off the road right, or something. Right. So. It was a snowy night, and she had right. her. her um, yeah, she went off a huge embankment. She did, yeah. and she was. It was like there was millions of cars passing her daily. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just they. She was down where nobody could see her. Right. It was just a freak accident. Um, also. And you may get get into this. This is in my rebuttal. Do you know another person? Uh, I'll get the dogs here in a second. Do you know that another person disappeared around this exact same time? Several. Well, I know, but the one was very important because yes. it was so similar. That's part of my argument. Okay. Because, yeah, that was... And never... For one, I never even heard of this no, woman. No, you didn't. No, never heard of this woman. she was not a white woman. She was no. a Hispanic woman. Um... She we'll wasn't, but but that's just another thing, and it was in the same area. There too. were actually so, supposed to be like six women. Within there were a right, period. but the one is that there was one that was yes. specific to this because it yes. was the same scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a couple that we're going to talk about. But, yeah, I know I got off track there, but that was just a weird thing that I thought was odd. How we never heard of that girl. So yeah, <laughs> some people were saying, you know, some people are saying they think the husband did it. Some people are. Saying they saw Lacey that day. Some people are saying they think she may have, like, been in an accident and gotten stuck somewhere. Others are saying, well, what if she was snatched while she was walking her dog that morning? Police, however, already had their crime suspect. And that was Scott from the very beginning. And they were laser focused on Scott. They were. They were never looking at anybody else. They always do that to the husband, the boyfriend. They do it to the wife or the girlfriend, too, whenever... It, the shoe is on the other foot there, dude. Mm-hmm. It's always the significant other. Yeah, name one. <clears throat> we can uh, name several. I just want okay. one. That was the guy. What are you talking about? She said it, it works the same way that they blame the woman. They never, oh, you know, yeah. That, I don't remember her name. That's because it wasn't, nobody cared. Jodi like, Arias was one. Yeah, Jodi. Oh, she was it's, guilty as shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she took pictures before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wasn't hard. No. <clears throat> no, but usually it's the the man killing the woman. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It probably does happen more often. Yes. It does. Well, mediocre white men make up the majority of serial killers, too. Yeah, no, there's that. <laughs> At 5 p.m. on December 26, less than 48 hours since the 911 call was made to report Lacey missing, police arrived back at the Peterson home with a search warrant for a second search of the property. On December 27th, police removed several items from the Peterson home, including both Scott and Lacey's vehicles, as well as two computers and more than 100 bags of evidence to further search. And by this time, the media had absolutely stormed the Peterson Street and they were camped out. It became like a national story that very quickly fucking turned into Nancy Grace or whatever. And I hate to use the word Nancy Grace, but uh, I know she was, I remember watching that at work or whatever it was at the time or on the news. I don't think we had the internet back then, but uh, I just remember that was her friggin' face plastered on everything. Oh yeah. You know, so. She was. She was a big mm-hmm. staple in this. Yeah, I didn't like her. 
Still don't. You don't like her, period. I don't. I just think she's It wouldn't asshole. have mattered who she was talking about. You don't like her. I don't. But if it was a man... <clears throat> well, no, that's... But it's, no. it's the way that she, she goes about She is just she a... Is, she's, she's not she's a, a nice, bulldog. She's not a nice person. She's a bulldog. There's, I mean, she talks, even that... She even, demeans people when she talks to them. She interviewed that one girl I mean, that was I, That's all well and good, that but I'm saying man. it doesn't yeah. matter who she's talking to. She is that way to... Everybody right. doesn't matter it's, what case it is. I guess you know she. Well, but it's, it's I'm not the, the, a fan. my problem with her. And I don't. I get the the most I know about this case is from a movie, though it's yeah. half based on two different murders. Yeah. Um. But my biggest problem with her just seeing her is that she's you know laser focused she on is. just one person, and it's all the bad things they did and all the good things the victim did. She's you know a what? prosecutor. Right. That that can be true, but yeah. you can't be in the public. And just be so. I mean, she's just so. But you can when you're just an analyst. Well, yeah, I know. No, 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 but no, no, they no, no, portray no. it as news. No, 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 exactly. She portrays it as, as there, right. there, she's there's a news. national news network that has exactly. a big asterisk next to your name that says opinion. And when yeah. it's an opinion, mm-hmm. who are you going to be? Right. The sky is green. It's our opinion. The sky is green. Well, she had her her show had mm-hmm. her name. Yeah, that was her. her what <clears throat> her opinion was. Yeah, it was opinion, but it just but it comes off as do news. Take and, it off. We like we can go down this rabbit hole for what people think is news. <laughs> oh yeah, all right. day oh, yeah, long. Right. But, yeah, and and it's not, it's like not, <laughs> you know. But it's just that it's presented in a way on a news network right. that right. people assume mm-hmm. that it's gospel, yes. and it's and it's right. not. But I mean, it's but it's just the way like her. Connotations of things, the word. I don't like her either. The way she talked about stuff. Right. Everything that she talks about in a positive is glowing. She comes off and her arms do this, whatever they do, and her negative, she's more whatever. But it's just. Yeah, the she, way looks, she, presents, she looks like she's disgusted by right. it. She's like, oh, I can't even get this out. You know, this guy is not, such a piece of shit. And, yeah. yeah. So she's very, she's like the kid that is last to be picked because nobody wants her to be on the team. Because yeah. yeah. well, nobody her likes her. Either, but that's all they played at work. Yeah. Yeah. No matter that was, what. That is her her. Grand right, yeah. exactly. That is her brand. Right, exactly. That is what has made her who it's she not, is. It's not that she's a woman. It's not that she's on the woman's side. It's the way she approaches the case. Right. If she just spoke, as we're speaking here, even we're debating or whatever, it's fine. But the way that she does it, where she's just so yeah. on it, it yeah. just turns me off and jump yeah. off. And yeah. Well, she had... <clears throat> who was that girl that disappeared for 10 years that they found her? Oh, you know, this, the uh, the kidnapped girl. Yeah. The three Elizabeth of them. Elizabeth Smart. Elizabeth Smart. No, she, she was only in, gone for a few months. Okay, well, she interviewed Elizabeth Smart. Okay. Jesse. Jesse. Yeah, Pickard. well, she did do. She, she, yeah. I think it was Elizabeth Smart and... They told before the you do not ask questions about what she endured. Mm-hmm. She was just publicly speaking, and it was ten seconds in that fucking Nancy Grace like blah blah blah. And that girl was a teenager at the time, and she said, "For one, I don't appreciate you asking me that question." Yeah. You were told, and she's like, "Oh no, I'm sorry, sweetheart." Blah blah blah. And on a good note, I think that instantly started nosediving her because uh-huh. she slowly started falling off. After that, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if she has a show now. Yeah, because JC, she was a lot older. She JC Duggars. Yeah, no, it wasn't yeah, the Duggars chick or whatever her name Dugard, was. No, yeah, it wasn't it was, her. I'm pretty sure it was Elizabeth Smart. I'm pretty Smart. sure you're right. It's What's Elizabeth Smart. Case? But it was, Elizabeth Smart was before Lacey Peterson, too. Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. What's the Unbreakable Kimmy show based on? 
Oh, it's Kimmy I, Schmidt. Yeah. Kimmy, yeah, I like that show. I can't. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's based on a it's true based story. on the one of those. That's yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking of. It's a comedy though. But, right. Yeah. Right. But, but, yeah, where, where they were. Uh, that's another one of those shows Jim started us watching and then quit. Yeah, I like that mm-hmm. show. It's funny. I like, El- I like Ellie Kemper. Yeah. I think her name is yeah. Ellie Kemper. But again, it's just that been kidnapped for 10 years. Right. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. Right. Oh. All right. Sorry. Okay. Well, we got a long ways to go. I know. We'll start that now. It's only 8.20. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 32. We've got at least two 35. more hours. I don't think the debate part will be fast or will be too slow. I yeah, because we're kind of doing that like throughout. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Melinda's though. She's she's stocked up here. Oh, so. God. Yes, she does. Oh, I, I'm holding on to you. Little, I got my little sheet over here, but I think we're going to say the, mo- the same thing most of the time. So um, I'll just let you be the uh, uh, prosecutor and, and Adrian can be the defense. <laughs> So, okay, so they had, so the media was camped out along the street. Right. Um, also around this time, Lacey's brother went on camera and he pleaded for Lacey's safe return. Both Scott and Lacey's parents made similar media appearances asking for Lacey to be returned. Scott was pretty much the only family member who did not speak out to the public and the perception for the public became much like that of police at this point, that Scott seemed aloof and cold. But even during this time, Lacey's parents, as well as Scott's, of course, said in interviews that there was no way Scott was involved, no matter what the police and the um, the public were saying at this point. The family on both sides was just like, no, Scott didn't do this. He had, There's no way he could have done this. Lacey's own brother even said that Scott was just putting on a strong face in the public and that he believed no matter how Scott acted, people were going to be suspicious of him. So both families are just standing together at this point through this process. Um, Lee Peterson's Scott dad, Lee Peterson, who is Scott's dad, said that he had never seen Scott as happy as he was with Lacey, and that they were both anxiously awaiting the birth of their son, Connor. A new revelation came on December 30th, and this was six days after Lacey disappeared. Neighbors who lived across the street from the Petersons had gone out of town prior to Christmas Eve and were returning home after the Christmas holiday, only to find that their house had been burglarized while they were away. When this news hit the public, another neighbor named Diane Jackson remembered that on Christmas Eve around 1.40 p.m., she had seen an unfamiliar vehicle at the home that was robbed. She hadn't given it any more thought, though, because, again, it's we're around the Christmas holidays. It could have been, like, family or friends visiting. So she, she just didn't give it any thought until she heard of the news of the burglary. And, and once she did hear it, she said all she had to do was, like, just literally walk out her door and there's, like, police. So she just went and she told police what she had seen. With this new information, people who knew Lacey said that she was the kind of person that would step in if she saw something that didn't seem right. And so it began being speculated, even by Nancy Grace, what if she had said something to these people while she was out walking Mackenzie? And they attacked her to cover their tracks. 
Police really kind of put the kibosh on this, though, when two men who were later arrested for the robbery and seems admitted to the robbery, their names were Steve Todd and Glenn Pierce, and they actually claimed that they had robbed the home, but it was done on December 26th. There was no way to verify the date of the robbery because, you know, the the residents were away for several days and didn't return until the 30th. Diane's recollection of the odd vehicle at the house had definitely been before the media storm hit because again, once they were there, they're just lining the streets constantly and they weren't there when she saw it. And by the 26th, this is when the media started camping out. Wouldn't that that suck if you're going to be a thief? You pick this house around this area. She's about to have one of the most crazy media storms and circus right out front. But what if it's the media circus because they got into an altercation with this woman two days prior. Could be. And they're just right. trying to figure out what to do with the body. Right. And Scott's alibi is like aired out there for mm-hmm. them to later be like, oh, let's go dump her body here. They'll blame it That's on the That's actually a great idea. Part of my argument. I didn't have that in my argument, so that's pretty awesome. Well, there you go. Reporters also said that there was no way that it had happened on the 26th because by then they were all lined up and down the streets and actively speaking to anyone and everyone in the neighborhood. And there had been absolutely no activity at that house until the owners returned on the 30th. Again, though, there's no way to confirm when this happened. This is just speculation. The evening of December 31st was the night of the candlelit vigil that was held in town for Lacey. There were more than a thousand people that attended, including Scott, who did not speak once again, and he was photographed smiling at the event and like laughing, which only cast more suspicion on him from police and the public. I think a lot of people remember that mm-hmm. because they were made such a big to do about it. Right. They actually uh, did that in Gone Girl, where they had taken a, mm-hmm. you know, like he, Scott was posing for pictures because people were like, oh, can I get your picture? And of course, naturally, he smiled. Mm-hmm. And then that picture went crazy. Like, why is this guy smiling? taking pictures at a vigil where they're looking for his wife. Right. So that instantly turned everybody like, you know, what a piece of shit. And that is a little weird. Mm-hmm. However, most time when you get your picture taken, <clears throat> yeah. it is your natural instinct to smile. Oh, yeah. I had a friend in high school you once know. who got caught. Um, yeah, people do it in their mug shots I, all I the time. I can't remember what, what exactly he did, but they came to take his mug shot. And when his parents saw it, they were like, why the fuck are, are you, you smiling? smiling? And you're going like, to jail. They had a camera. Yeah, it just, <laughs> it's, it's, your, it's just your instinct mm-hmm. or you know, natural, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we're runners, or, but when you run these marathons or half marathons, there's people taking pictures. You're stressed out. Trying to smile. I feel still. stupid. I exactly. don't ever smile. <laughs> but that's it. Exactly. You do, you, I try to smile, but you're yeah. concentrating on running. Misty looks like an angel. She stops, no, poses, <laughs> one, <laughs> ang- one leg up. She's like, <laughs> nope. She's so photogenic. That picture of her at the um, the table with the beer with was the beer place. <laughs> Or at, the, or at the one Barbie was, sign. She was like, before I was ready to kill out, kill myself. Yeah. So also. By this time, 
there was a reward that was being offered for any information leading to um, the whereabouts of Lacey and Connor, and it was up to $500,000. And again, something else, right now there's no physical evidence that is really damning Scott in this case except for his behavior because they've not found anything that can tie him to any sort of disappearance at this point. But police have been focused on him from the start, and public perception overall is just not great. This next part has been just a little bit difficult for me to work into the notes, though, because this is something that was happening for a while behind the scenes that, like I said, I'm trying to present this in real time as it happened, and it's just difficult to talk about this part and put it in where it's supposed to be. So this is where it's going to be. So... On the night of Lacey's candlelight vigil, which is New Year's Eve 2002, while her and Scott's families are there with Scott and more than a thousand members of the community, at some point Scott steps away to make a personal call that is completely unrelated to Lacey or this event. This is, of course, when Scott makes the now infamous call to Amber Fry, who is his girlfriend. And during this call, he tells her that he's in Paris. Henry! Yep, at the Eiffel Tower, watching a fireworks display. Thinking of her. As he's ringing in the new year, thinking of her, wishing that she was there with him. Shit us guys will do for a little beast ass. I know. It's insane. You're disgusting. We're we're pigs, especially you, Joel. (laughs) The man in me is all I can say. (laughs) Yeah. So, I say this call is infamous because we actually have the recording, Because just the day before the vigil in Modesto, Amber, who lived almost two hours away from Scott in Fresno, California at the time, was given a newspaper article by a friend of hers who had recognized Scott. And she sees the story of his currently missing wife and was just completely shocked. So she called the tip line as soon as she reads this and volunteers to be wired. Get that information to police, and police are at her house as quickly as possible. And she's she's just immediately very cooperative, and she says she's going to just do whatever she can to help in this situation. So where did she come from? How long was she around? And how did she not know about this global news case that was happening, like, really close to her own home? And we're going to get into that in part two of the Lacey Peterson murder case. I'm glad we don't have to wait, but that's just because it's us. I, I feel know. bad for these poor bastards that are listening to I it. know. They got to wait till next week. <laughs> Sorry, but, folks. But thank you for listening. Yeah. Stay spooky. Stay spooky. <laughs> Sex, don't it? <laughs> but, but yeah, we will pick back up where uh, you left off. Thanks for listening. Bye, kids. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Wine, Whiskey, and Murder. Our theme music is by Sam Schechter, and we release new episodes every Wednesday morning in honor of my baby girl, the most perfect little derpy dog, Wednesday, of course. Please be sure that you rate and review us on any and all platforms that you listen on. It really helps us to grow. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pocket Casts, Overcast, and Pandora. 
If you have any suggestions for future episodes or just helpful information, or you just want to interact with us, you can send us an email at winewhiskeymurderpodcast at gmail.com. Visit us and join our Facebook page at Wine, Whiskey, and Murder Podcast. And find us on TikTok also at Wine, Whiskey, and Murder Pod. Lastly, we are an independently owned and operated podcast. So if you are enjoying the show and would like to help us grow more, you can become a Patreon subscriber for just $5 a month. Just go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search for our show under the name Wine, Whiskey, and Murder, and select Become a Patreon or Join to start your subscription. Thank you to everyone for your support.